Hi everybody and welcome to the History Voyager. My name is Benjamin Kitchings. As always, there are a zillion podcasts out there. Thank you very, very much for listening to mine. As my podcast has evolved, many, many people have, have asked me, some of these people, in various stages of negotiating whether or not to be on my podcast, I guess in their own mind, why do I consider my podcast a history podcast? I, still to this day, one of the um, descriptors I use on my podcast uh, with Apple and with Spotify, uh, the two largest engines, is under history. The reason why is I think it is history. Let me let me give you an example um, of what I mean. So the other day, I was uh, exercising, and like I've said many many times on my show and other shows, I love to listen to podcasts while I exercise, and I was listening to a big podcast that is headquartered out of my hometown of Atlanta, Georgia. And it was a reissue, which is something podcasters like to do, uh, presumably because they have some office schedule and they have to keep up, you know, they have to release for contractual reasons a podcast every week or so or every two weeks, whatever it is. And this was a reissue from 2017. And it was a podcast where these two podcasters explained to people about this whole uh, thing going on uh, in the world, which, believe it or not, used to be a a hot topic in this country uh, not that long ago, um, that a lot of people um, in my country of the United States of America, this you know, scientifically literate first world country that allegedly, you know, believes in small L liberal democracy. Well, there are a lot of people in my country that for some reason um, seem to think the world is flat. And so this podcast that was put out, it's a rather big podcast that I won't bother to shout out in my show, mainly because they don't need it, was talking about how they were discussing with their audience, you know, how big, what the, what the podcaster, what the people who talk about the Flat Earth, they call it Big Round. So they were describing this conspiracy that some people seem to believe is going on with what they call Big Round, which is apparently this conspiracy that apparently we're all in, that the world is round. Which, you know, whatever, I kind of think that's asinine, but sure. Alright, so the guy, the, the podcaster, kept saying again and again and again, over and over, you know, you can believe whatever you want. You know, I, I don't care if you think the earth is flat. 
whatever, blah, blah. (laughs) It occurred to me while I was walking through my neighborhood, as I'm listening to this man back in 2017 say that he didn't care if people think the earth is flat. It occurred to me if he would, honestly, if he would think that today. Since 2017, it's become apparent to people that perhaps Russia had been more disruptive to our national discourse than we had once thought. Our political system, classically speaking, is grounded in what we today might term, broadly speaking, the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment was something that came about because of a, basically it was a elite revolution of political thinking. So it really only affected the elite of Europe, firstly France, and then England, and then it spread largely through Northern Europe, and eventually it spread onto North America. And the reason it spread onto North America was because the elite of North America, so your Thomas Paines and your Thomas Jeffersons and your Alexander Hamiltons and your George Washingtons and your Benjamin Franklins, etc., had been basically enthralled by this sort of Northern European-centric new understanding of a human in the human's political environment. Because something that we don't really realize today as much is that human politics aren't exactly natural. They aren't exactly found in nature. Now, you could find some political theorists that will contort or maybe twist or maybe try to derive a progression of political thought essentially going from Some people want to have it going from ancient Israel, seemingly, all the way to the present day. Um, But, frankly, that's, that's not true. The Enlightenment, essentially, at least initially, was a package of revolutionary thoughts that were, first of all, enabled by technology we barely think of as technology today. And second, they mainly were a technical revolution in and of themselves it's in the enlightenment that you get things like the scientific reason and basically the scientific method and it's also in the enlightenment that you get this idea that humans are atomized that they are separate from a whole It's in the Enlightenment that you get the concept that perhaps the state does not reside in a person. One of the reasons that King Louis got his head chopped off in France was that 
France, the the country, there the people of France started to think, well, perhaps we the people are the country, and you even hear that rhetoric a lot in our Constitution. We the people of the United States of America is the preamble of the American Constitution. That is incredibly revolutionary for 1780s thinking. And so let's circle back around to that podcaster who issued a podcast in 2017 talking about the flat earth and how he was apologizing to people who believe in the flat earth, saying to them that they could believe whatever they wanted to believe. This country in 1945 and 1946 completed a project that no other country on earth, no other empire on earth had done. And in the aftermath of this project, it was very far ahead economically with what we today call the first world. I'm speaking, of course, of World War II. We were so far ahead of the game globally that you could actually have people in this country engaging in, fa engaging in ideas that, to put it mildly, were unfruitful or problematic or whatever, and it wouldn't drag down the greater mass of the American thought because we were just that far ahead. Well, what have we been doing, particularly in the last 20 years? We have been shrinking. The entire world has been engaging in this thing. First, I guess the children in their bedroom, so people my age and a little younger than me, and then as adults. Now, to be sure, there were, you want to call them revolutionaries that were older than me. There was this vanguard. Uh, I'm thinking specifically about um, my best friend's dad was the first person that used today what we would call email of anybody that I knew. I interviewed uh, a gentleman on my podcast, um, a fellow named Ben Landry, who talked about his career with the computer. And the reason I wanted to do that, the whole reason I wanted to interview folks like Ben Landry and, and these business owners and, and people like that, is I wanted to lay down kind of a an oral history of our present day. Because at some point during the pandemic, and I think I can even, if I think really hard, I think I can even... Um, figure out the actual guest where it actually occurred to me this revolution that some people didn't even realize we were in it was going to make some some serious changes and was going to call into question some some essentially ideological sacred cows because if you think about it the permission that a first world global superpower gives to a healthy chunk of its population to basically believe whatever they want. 
That's an ideology. That's a real ideology. And if you tell that to somebody, in a, you know, here's something I didn't know until I started talking to people around the world. If you tell this to somebody living in China or somebody who lived in Moscow that our country basically allows people to believe whatever they want and to go about the world, some of these people believing ludicrous ideas that are frankly unfruitful and in some circles might even get them, you know, uh, interpolated as somebody who is basically mentally handicapped, for lack of a better way to say it. So when you tell these people that in my country, you know, you can, you can believe the earth is flat, or in my country, you know, you can actually think that, uh, you know, what's another one? So the earth is flat, or that the, the world is 6,000 years old, or, or whatever, right? The thing they'll tell you is, well, that's so that, that your society can keep down part of the population, keep them in ignorance. Okay. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? But see, I know that the, the government isn't keeping these people in ignorance, that the government simply, as a, as a rule, has decided basically to allow people to believe things they want to believe. And you see that in other ways, too. Like in, in my state of Georgia, right now working its way through the legislature is this idea that that somebody ought to be able to sue a social media platform because the social media platform decided that something they posted was against their terms of service. You know, there's a lot of people in my country that that see the Constitution and see that these rights given to them not as rights protecting them from the federal government, which is what I learned it was in civics class and in political science class, but actually it's supposed to protect them from corporations. They'll say, well, see, the funny thing about that is I don't know that the founding fathers would have known what a corporation was. And they certainly, if they had have known what a corporation was, because there were, you know, the British East India Company, etc., you couldn't really say the British East India Company had so much of a, a, a hold on somebody's life that you could actually live anywhere in North America as long as you were a... a you know, a white male, because that's who the founding fathers were talking about and talking to was white males. But there was not this thought in the 1780s that, that you know, the, the British East India Company controlled every facet of your life, no matter where you were in North America. But that was certainly true, at least for a time in, in different aspects of, or I guess different places in North America. So I guess what I'm talking about when I say this is that essentially we've entered into this new world with our technology. 
And we've entered into this new world with our understanding of what our Constitution is. Because our Constitution, as I learned in school, was to protect us from the federal government, not even from the state government, but from the federal government. And now certain people in this country want the Constitution to protect them from private companies, which I think is very telling. I honestly do. I think that is very telling if I want to get if I want to step aside and get super apolitical about it. Because what we're saying is that Facebook and Twitter and WhatsApp, which is also Facebook, have a certain control over our lives. And there's a lot of people that don't like that. And I guess in the abstract, I'm, I'm certainly one of those people. But as I just told a friend of mine, and I don't know, maybe I'm at heart a digital immigrant. But as I as I told a friend of mine, um, I never. It's like you have this supercomputer you fit in your pocket, and there's these apps that you go into the app store or the Play Store and get. And you say, well, I'm using this app to, to check up on the news or I'm using this app to get podcast guests or, or, you know, find out about my local situation because, you know, Twitter and Reddit are powerful tools for communication. But they're also ways to get into arguments with strangers. And it just seems odd and just really abnormal to me that Somebody would use, you know, the supercomputer in their pocket to get into arguments with strangers. Okay, that 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 doesn't seem normal. If I if I could just call that out. But so circling back around to this change in society that we can only see by looking backwards, because here's this you know, big podcasters saying, I don't actually care what anybody believes because it doesn't basically impact me. Well, I mean, right now, there's a plague running around, and, you know, there's lots of people in the hospitals that <laughs> maybe would wonder if somebody's disbelief in that plague impacted them. And then there's other people that say, you know, yes, but I want to go about my life as I as I look in this document written essentially in the Middle Ages, because essentially that's at least when it was conceived, the Constitution. They didn't understand um, pandemic disease the way we understand pandemic disease. You know, and, I, and I'm not saying that, that governments in the world aren't using the pandemic to control people because I've talked to people in Asian places like China and Malaysia and Singapore. And yeah, I, I actually do believe that places like that are using the pandemic to control their populations. But I don't think that's going on here. Not really. Not on a wholesale level. 
Now, are there police officers maybe overzealously enforcing the law? Uh, specifically, there are cases that a, a podcast guest um, of mine told me about. They were arresting uh, a paddle boat person, a person paddling in the Pacific Ocean around exactly no one. They arrested him because he was outside and, you know, basically, even though we knew that COVID didn't really, uh, at least at that time, didn't really uh, spread in outdoor situations. So, yeah, maybe those policemen or maybe the state of California was being overzealous in the in the um, enforcement of of health guidelines. But I mean, again, I don't think at the at the national level we were controlling a population. Um, but there again, so. So what is this podcast episode about? This podcast episode is me basically musing about the Enlightenment and how I think basically maybe the Enlightenment might actually be over, which that might actually be, in fact, I would say it is. The reason that I didn't do my deep dive yet into the Enlightenment is because the thing that occurred to me as I was researching for this deep dive in the Enlightenment was that we don't live in that world anymore. We live in a, in a world where we're driving through this technological fog on the other side of a recession that changed ha- how we, a lot of us, how we lived, how we worked, the kinds of jobs we did. And then there was like a deeper recession which was 2020. 2020 was literally something on par with the Depression. And in some cases, it was much, much deeper than that. And I think, basically, with with what, what we have now is kind of this getting back to essentially some sort of normal. But you, you can't really go back to normal because you can't, time really only moves in one direction, right? So you're creating a new normal. And if you think about it, when I think about the Enlightenment and I think about how, you know, Thomas Paine and Thomas Jefferson and, and all these people were sort of working out that what a society of atomized human beings would look like I wonder if it's even possible to live like that in a world where you know you can have Ebola in Africa and then like later on that day Ebola can show up across the ocean I, I really honestly wonder and I'm, I'm not advocating for one type of system of government over another. But I'm sort of musing if there was this age of enlightenment in terms of small d democracy and little l liberalism. I'm literally wondering because the thing about small d democracy and little l liberalism is 
you have to have an educated populace in order for that to to really take off in order for that to be durable because there's a lot of places in the world where they've tried you know small d democracy little l liberalism and that just the people didn't like it you know the you look at um not so much russia but russia but also ukraine i mean ukraine was basically you know after the dissolution of the soviet union you know they were an independent state for sure but you know they weren't exactly small d democracy and little o liberalism and you had vladimir putin uh basically having ukraine as a puppet state until i think 2014 that was when the uh orange revolution that eventually brought about uh vladimir zelensky but you think about all the work that it would take to have small d democracy and little l liberalism in a world of the information age and i wonder if Honestly, I wonder if Americans are up to that task. Honestly. And, uh, you know, the part of me that basically grew up on positivist uh, history documentaries and I got the mother's milk of how the American empire loves to solve problems and this was the country that took us took humanity to the moon and, and you know this was the country that you know like I said earlier in the podcast this was the country that you know ended World War II and this was the country that cured polio and and all this well yeah but that was back when you had gatekeepers to information and and right now like I said there's there's people that, now that the gatekeepers have gone away, really, there's people that, honestly, essentially, when you think about it, they want to be able to put whatever they want on these private, you know, platforms. Which, to me, part of, part of that, in the abstract, I, I kind of see what they're saying. But there's another part of me that says, you know, we've, we've had terms of service for platforms for years and years and years and a lot and to me you know the idea of cancel culture never really sat with me partly because it doesn't actually affect average people and partly because the people that yell and scream about it at least the celebrity types who yell and scream about it have had to deal with standards and practices at networks and, and movie theater and not movie theaters, but, you know, movie studios for ages. I mean, you, you've always had rules about what you can and cannot put on television. And, and okay, so let's turn it around. Say you want to have the the ability to sue Facebook because Facebook took something down that you put up there. Okay, for sure. 
did you know that until very, very recently, Vladimir Putin, the dictator and leader of Russia, essentially had First Amendment rights in this country, and as long as he could pay the bill, he could say whatever he wanted. And it was only in the run-up to the war in Ukraine that, you know, these leaders of these social media companies and these cable companies, etc., started really questioning, you know, do we actually want to have Vladimir Putin having a First Amendment right in this country? And, you know, subsequently we've we, the cable companies of America, a lot of them, have removed Russia today from their cable networks. And, you know, the the Facebook people and the Twitter folks and etc. have basically, you know, deplatformed or whatever, however you want to call it, you know, people that they believe are Russian trolls. Well, okay. Let's imagine a world where they can't do that because Vladimir Putin could sue them to reinstate him. Do you actually want to have Vladimir Putin with unfettered access to the American public? Is that actually a thing that you want? Now, before you answer... I want you to think about that. I want you to think about what that really means. And let's remember that as they say on Twitter all the time, Twitter is not real life. Neither is Facebook, etc. But these apps are getting more and more and more like the news. And they're getting more and more like the things the news covers and so therefore things can spill over into real life and I don't know I just to me I want to have that safeguard because to me you know the old adage of well the only way to you know to fight disinformation is to provide the truth well you know when I went to college again I learned about postmodernism and there's problems with it, but essentially postmodernism says that we can basically create our own reality. I think that's actually what's happening now. I think we're actually creating our own reality. And I think there's a, there's a very famous podcaster who certainly doesn't need my shout out. But a few years ago, he said that he thought this age of the Internet was like you're driving 70 miles an hour through dense fog and you're not really even sure if you're on the right side of the road or not. Um, and that's pretty much us right now. And yeah, OK, I can see, I can definitely see how you might think that, you know, the way to combat Vladimir Putin's propaganda is to you know use the facts but that's only going to happen if the people reading those posts etc want to see the facts and also 
Remember when I said that the scientific revolution was partially enabled by technology we don't even see today as technology? Let me give you an example. One of the reasons why the scientific revolution and the Age of Enlightenment happened at all was because mirrors got cheaper. And there's a lot of thought running around in very high, very postgraduate doctoral circles of history that say because people could look more cheaply at a mirror and see their reflection, they could envision themselves as something separate from the whole. So they could envision their needs as something separate from the whole. Okay. We don't think of a cheap mirror as, as technology today, although it is. The other thing that, that caused the scientific revolution to spread was the printing press. Something that was technology, but also mass literacy. Again, that's sort of a, a software upgrade if you think about it, but we don't actually think of that as technology. What happens when you know, how somebody reads the news or how somebody hears the news comes away from the technical vanguard and leeches so much into society that the way the news is being delivered to people is not even thought of as technology. So what happens if you had, say, a smartphone that you could get from Russia and have Russia stuff pumped into that smartphone constantly. And this isn't, you know, far from the truth. Kaspersky was a very widely respected and very widely used uh, antivirus program, which actually came from Russia. And, you know, the, the government, Joe Biden, um, but also the non-political government, has been saying to people, essentially for the past three administrations now, uh, to move away from Kaspersky, please. Um, and I distinctly remember when, you know, you, you know, basically Kaspersky was taken off the shelves um, of brick-and-mortar stores because... You know, there was a whole, there was a whole, you know, oh my God moment where people thought, oh wow, this is coming from Russia. All right, so what if, say, China, which China's already doing this with their phones, but say they got a lot more proactive with their phones and started pumping information from a pro-Chinese perspective into the eyeballs and ears of American people who believe that you can believe whatever you want and who believe that the way to shout out, you know, disinformation is to use the truth. And that's just something we believe because it's part of our civic religion. You know, I don't think the founders in 1780-whatever thought that far ahead people and that's what I'm trying to say here 
Anyway, this was my rambling about basically the Enlightenment. I think I will do a deep dive in the Enlightenment, and I'm not really sure when, but I certainly think I will, because I love history, and I love psychohistory. Psychohistory itself is, is fascinating. It's a little problematic because of what it is, because of what it tries to do, but it's very interesting. All right, everybody. Have a nice day.